Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 135 of your favourite Bible podcast, Thrive Deeper. It's your old mate DJ Payne and on this episode I sit down with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, your friend and mine, and we make a run for it. Our goal this week is to get through the rest of the book of 1 Samuel. Can we do it? There's a lot to cover. It is the death of King Saul. Sadly, we say goodbye to Jonathan as well, but we say hello to a whole lot of new people around this aspiring King David. What's going to happen? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. Also, we have an incredible offer for you. If you love C.S. Lewis or you've always thought you wanted to start reading him, have I got the offer for you. Do not miss out on this one. All right, let's get into it. Thrive Deeper, episode 135. Matthew, there's no time for niceties. There's mm. no time for uh, you know funny stories or anything at the beginning no. of this podcast because right. we have got the last nine chapters yeah, of right, First right. Samuel to get through. Right, so yeah. we have just got to drop everything, dump dump everything overboard that we don't need, and just go. Yeah, but I like that. I, I you know, it's that that big picture stuff. I think that's. That's yeah. the best way to do I it. Thought you, I thought you meant you don't like all the niceties and the fun. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. No, that goes without saying. Uh, but I I love big picture stuff. That's where, that's where because I think when we read the Bible, we get so, we can get so drawn into the details. Yeah. Yeah. We actually lose uh, the 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 role of the different stories yes. in, in their context. Yeah. And that actually, that's the interpretation bit of, uh, of, understanding the bible it's like okay not just what is it saying yes but what is this section doing yeah i know? love i love that all right yep. well with that in mind to to keep it to give you up to speed we're finishing off the book of first samuel today yeah. now yeah. we have been looking at the life you know in the book of first samuel we have obviously three major characters the last of the judges which is the priest samuel mm. Uh, warning, we'll be saying goodbye to him yeah. in this episode. Actually, we'll be saying goodbye to him and then a very brief cameo hello again. Yeah, in, <laughs> yes, that's in the, right. In this one, a very weird thing to, weird thing to end in Samuel's life. Uh, we will have, we have the life of Saul, the first king of the United, um, you know, the United, is you know, Israelite tribes. And then uh, we, we have uh, young King David, the next anointed king of the United Israelites tribes. And they're the three major characters that that we have throughout this book. Mm. Uh, we've, we're, we're, as, I, as I've just said, we're saying goodbye to Samuel. We've, we've had the rise and fall of Saul. And we ended mm. last, our last episode with one of Saul's most, you know, probably the most atrocious thing that he did, which was the killing of the priests. Yeah, terrible. You know, yeah. with his army. Um, and, 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 I mean, he slaughters the whole town. It's, it's awful, awful. Because he thinks they're conspiring with David. Yeah. So, at this point in the story, we've, we've got a virtually insane yes. man that we're dealing with, an insane tyrant king. Yeah. A tyrant king who has become jealous. Afraid, God has left him. The Holy Spirit yeah. has left him, and he is. This is the tragic fall of an incredibly tragic figure, King Saul. And yeah, we're going right. to we're going to finish Just, that off in this chapter, and then and then also mm. be tracking the rise of young David, 
yeah, as, as he right. comes up. One last thing. This is around about 1,000 years before yeah, that's Christ. Right. Good, good context. Uh, yeah. ab- about, ab- and this, is, this period of these nine chapters covering the young life of, of, of David, David who's probably in his 20s, yeah. you know, which is you mm. know, easy to forget sometimes. David who's in his 20s, and this covers, scholars differ with it, this, this ending here of this part of his life, anywhere from five to 10 years of his mm. life on the run from Saul, yeah, that's camping right. in different places, yeah. moving his mighty 600 men with him yeah. wherever he goes, yeah, this, right. this, this little band of people. I think it's worth pointing out too, Saul, he, yes, in, in a formal sense, he's king over Israel, over the 12 tribes of Israel, but he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be uniting no. the nation together. He's very much, he, you know, he, he's, he's very localised, He's got his Benjamites around around him, you know. Yes. I mean, they're the real loyal ones. Yeah, you get the picture that that he is. Um, he's quite distracted. He's not really, you know, because there's a bit of a task in uniting the tribes yeah. together, and David does that. And, and the other task that God has given him as the king is to finish, as we've pointed out in previous episodes, he has to finish what Joshua started. Yeah, this holy war. Yeah, to wipe out the other things. By the end of his life, Saul, Saul couldn't care less no. about any of this. Well, because he's too busy trying to chase David. <laughs> exactly. And this is, you know, and the major threat, the major standing threat now to Israel's occupation of the land of the Philistines. Yeah. Uh, these, this is a, a group of sea peoples that have that have moved in. It's like the Vikings. You yeah. Know? They've moved in and they're technologically advanced, as we've said before. Mm. They've they've got they're, they're among the first to use iron. Everyone else is using bronze. Yes. Okay. So they're quite superior in that sense. Uh, Saul is meant to be fighting the Philistines, but, and, and, you know, and, and because the Philistines are raiding Israel all the time. I mean, they're really suffering. He's running around with his 3,000 crack Benjamite troops and chasing David the whole time because he's so paranoid that David is conspiring against him, which it couldn't be further from the truth. And And it seems like, and we'll get the picture here, that Saul is just continually putting out fires. Yeah. Like there's a little raid over here. Oh, yeah, we've got oh, to yeah run that's over right. Here. He's doing that, yeah. We've got to go. Yeah. He's a man of war who is now in gripped, gripped with paranoia and fear and is totally distracted. So we'll see the fall, this is the final fall of Saul and the rise of David, even though David looks like he is on the run Persecuted, yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. distracted. No, God is with him. Yeah, that's right. In in the midst of all yeah, this. Yeah, this, this is like this is like the story of Joseph. You know, it's this, yes. these repeated themes. Yeah. God makes a promise, and then against all adversity, the promise comes about. Yeah. It's, you know, that's the Bible, yeah. isn't it, really? It's a story of the Bible. And for David, um, you know, this this difficult period is, is very much like, you know, the promise that Joseph had in his dreams, and then he's sold into slavery, and he goes to prison, and, yeah. and finally he comes out on top. Uh, you know, this is exactly what happens here. So, so this is really the message of this. I mean, Saul, uh, the, the message of the book is brought out in the contrast between David and yes. Saul. Saul is, is the proud man, you know, the king like the other nations have. And you see what we see here is an absolute, um, you know, a tyrant king who's a, really a madman uh, and he's paranoid. And uh, yeah, that's very characteristic of the way it was of those in, in ancient yes. kingdoms when you're trying to hold on to your rule. Whereas, you know, David is something else, something quite unique. Now, uh, I... I I love a chronological read through 
one of the main reasons why I love a chronological read-through mm. is because they will often put the Psalms uh, yeah, alongside yeah. the story of David, yeah, right. what's happening. Yeah. And I know there's we're not yeah. it's not an exact yeah, science. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not an exact science. Is there is there an online resource, a PDF or anything like that that we could recommend to people or point to people, hey, as you're reading this, check out the Psalms that go alongside the story mm. roughly. Anything off the top of your not, head? Not off the top of my head. It, right. it, it is a very – look, it's a very inexact yes. uh, science, but there, there are some, I think, that sit fairly neatly in some of those contexts. Yeah. The valuable thing, actually, about the Psalms is that you, you, you get to see the inner process of David. Yeah. You know, he's not just calmly, oh, I'm trusting in the Lord and I'm all calm and yeah. peaceful. No, no. His piece is on the other side of a lot of wrestling with God. Definitely, you know, uh, and and I think that's it, it's great to see that because you realise that he struggles mm. through this, mm. but he does he he does struggle with God in in I mean in the in the sense of wrestling with God yeah. to use the imagery from you know Jacob he's and and that's where his faith grows and that's what brings him to this point of peace and confidence that we see for example in Psalm 27 which is a psalm probably written right in the middle of this yeah so i'll, I'll i'm sure there's some resources out there i'll get one approved by you or a couple approved by you. i'll throw it in the li- link of the show notes because if you've never done it i encourage you to do it it really does open up a lot yeah. more to the yeah, story yeah. Uh, okay so we're going to we're going to kick into Psalm 23 this is on the heels uh, it's 1 Samuel 23 did i say psalm sorry so the got deals you know, yeah. 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 Well, so that's, 20- that's irrelevant. Imagine that in the yes, middle of this. Yes, but anyway, anyway, he's leave- in the valley of the shadow of death. Here, <laughs> I'm leaving. Leave, leave this. I've got, I've got Psalms in my mind now. First uh, Samuel chapter twenty three. This comes on the heels of. Meanwhile, Saul is over here. You know, uh, absolutely uh, brutalizing his own people in paranoid fear. Yeah. Meanwhile, young David and his and his crew are basically becoming rulers. In this yeah. little town of is it Keila? Yeah, Ke- that's right. Yeah. Keila there, and it's an amazing, it's an amazing story of yeah. how he goes in and protects them. Yeah, that's right. So, and and I think the point is, is that David is doing while Saul is busy chasing after David. Yeah. David is already doing his kingly bit, protecting, yeah. uh, you know, the Israelites. And this is, you know, dr- during the, the the harvest time, and they, you know, because normally you wouldn't go to a th- a threshing floor is a bit more of an outlying uh, area, but they're taking the, you know, they're taking the crops yes. uh, off off the Israelites, and so uh, David goes in and and he saves the day. It does it does yeah. the job, and it doesn't end well in twenty three. Uh, David's got a narrow escape because some you know some local tribes are basically yeah. dobbing on him. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you see that's something, right. say something to the yeah, government. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they've done that. Yeah. And Saul's Saul's hot in his trail, so yeah. his men then enter a period of time where they're basically living in the wilderness. Yeah, it's interesting because. Uh, the citizens, c- citizens, citizens of Kylar actually give David up. You know, there's that point where Saul's looking for him, and David inquires of the Lord through Abiathar, the, the, the priest. He inquires, "Will the citizens of Kylar surrender me and my men to Saul?" <laughs> and the Lord said, yep. "They will." <laughs> you know? yeah. And so he um, he leaves and he goes out uh, in, into the wilderness. One last important point about chapter 23. At the end of it, there, Saul's hot on the trail. It's not looking good for David. What does God use to get, you know, what does, you know, this is the point. God can use yeah, anything. Yeah. 
God uses the Philistines. The Philistines yeah. go attack something near Saul. Saul's like, right, I've got to go, yeah, go that's right. put that fire yeah. out. David is saved yeah. by God moving the Philistine army. Yeah, that's right. And so place, he's yeah. so he's this is now he's now really living in the wilderness. And I mean like in I mean for some of this he's living in caves, but there are around the uh the Dead Sea area. Um there are all of these um uh, areas where that would have been quite defensible. And yes. one of them, and this is probably one that's referred to in uh, verse 23, verse 14, where it says he stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Yes. A very famous uh, fortress there, of course, is the Masada uh, fortress. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, our listeners can just do a search on that. Uh, it's an amazing fortress. It was developed later by Herod, uh, but it may well be that David and his men are using that uh, hilltop. It's like a, a tabletop mountain, yeah. and it may well be that uh, that he's using a Masada at that point. We then go to First uh, Samuel chapter twenty four, and this is we have two two of these uh, two of these tales play out. You know, it's funny mm. how, how yeah. the pattern repeats. But this is the first story where David has an opportunity to literally kill Saul. Yeah, given right, delivered right into his hands, and Saul shows. Sorry, David shows that he is more righteous. Yeah, that's you right. know more yeah. dependent on God because he spares Saul's life. Yeah, he does. Uh, but there's a there's a slight trip up here in the middle of this, and and I think the importance of the of the two accounts, apart from the fact that they actually happened, is that David acts more honorably in the second than he does in the first. Now, you, we, this one could, we, we could easily miss this because he, uh, so, so they're in the back of the cave. Imagine a cave with probably lots of different sections, right? Yes. And, and they're in, um, David and at least some of his men are in the back of, the, of one of these caves. And Saul goes in to relieve himself. And David creeps around, creeps up to Saul, and he cuts off the corner of his garment. Now, this, this is the royal robe, okay? So, uh, the the symbolism of this we we could miss this, but it's actually David gets gets. I mean, he realised what he's what he did after he did this. But by cutting off the royal robe, it signifies uh, a sort of a taking of power in some sense. Yeah. Uh, there's a story of um, I think it's Jeroboam and, and the prophet where he tears the robe. Same with Saul and Samuel when yeah, yeah. when Saul grabs hold yeah. of Samuel and says, "Don't let it be." He tears the robe. Yeah, that's right. And Samuel so, prophesies, "This is what's going to happen." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a very symbolic uh, gesture. And the other thing is, if he's cutting off the corner of the robe, he would have cut off the tassel on the corner of the robe. So he basically renders this robe non-compliant with the Torah. <sighs> yes, because the rule for the Torah for the Israelites was that they have tassels wow, on the top of wow. on the bottom of their robes. So he he actually is David is rendering uh, Saul non-compliant with uh, with the law, um, and so in that sense, by by symbolically voiding his kingship in that sense, yeah. he is in that sense lifting his hand against the Lord's anointed. Right. Yes. So once he does this, he goes back, and David, even though we probably think this is not much, David immediately gets it. Yeah. And it says that he was, in verse 5, it yes. says, afterward David was conscience-stricken yeah. for having cut off a corner of the robe. Um, and he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, and so... And we get this the, the great thing is, yeah, we yeah. get this great speech from David. Yeah. You know, you can see him coming out and you can imagine down in the valley yeah. a little bit further, Saul and his men are ready to go, and out comes David out of the cave. Yeah. And it's like yeah, you know, that's right. this confession, 
you know, this yeah. confession of of and, and a promise of what he does. Yeah, so so he does. He proves to Saul that by you know. He thereby does prove to Saul that he's, he means him no harm. But I think the important thing for the writer of, of 1 Samuel here is the way that David responds, right? David is never depicted, and this this is important, right? Because David is um, is a kind of ideal figure in this yeah. story. Yes. Um, that's not always the case. You know, we have Samson and other yeah. characters, right, that aren't put forward as ideal. But David is something of an ideal, but not ideal because he's perfect. No. David is an ideal because of how he- re- it's, it, it's It's not because he's without sin. He's put up as an ideal because of how he responds when he does sin. That's a okay? great point. And this is, this, is what we, this is why this is emphasized so much in the text. This is why we get this, the, the space given to this speech. Uh, because when David does realize that he has sinned, he, um, you know, he's immediately repentant. He's, he's conscience-stricken. He's responsive to God. And that, you know, the prophetic writer of this is saying that- Yes. Oh, you exiles, because this is probably put together in the time of the exiles. Yeah. God doesn't. God knows that you're not perfect, right? That's not the, the, what the most important thing is. How you respond yeah. when you do sin, and David has used an example and, and of that. It, and it's also a beautiful example of when, um, even with the most awful tyrant like Saul trying to kill David and his men, yeah. bringing out this army, you know, thousands against six hundred. Yeah. When David confesses and David swears an oath and promises yeah. and, you know, um, invokes, you know, the Lord's name and all of this, the response from Saul is repentance, even though it's short-lived. And again, again yeah. I'm coming back as a prosecutor here, as, no, no, the, as defend- the defender, yeah, yeah. The defending well, the here prosecution Saul- is going to uh, objection, well, Your Honour. I, I, I uh, and we know where it's heading, but we, but I, again, I, I'm going to say- He that, does admit, though. He, he does have this moment. You're right. He has this, this moment sincere. of genuine admission. He, he, he says, yeah. may the Lord repay you with good for what you've done for me today. Now I know, this is Saul speaking, now I know for certain that you will be king and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Therefore, swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So yeah. David swore to Saul, and they they have a pact. Short lived. It might last for yeah. a year or so. We don't, you know, we don't know exactly know how long. But Saul goes back. David is allowed to prosper there and establish yeah. himself in the wilderness cities. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. and we go from there. Now we get now we get a really strange story in in chapter twenty five. This is David, Nabal, and Abigail. Yeah. Now, summing summing it up is basically that these are foreigners mm-hmm. in in uh, in Israel. Um, there's there's a very wealthy foreigner by the name of Nabal or Nabal, however you want to pronounce it, yeah. and uh, he's a goose. He's an absolute idiot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's a bit of a yeah. loser. Um, David comes to him and says, "Listen, could you could you give us a hand? Mm. You know, could you help out me and my men? We've looked after you. We've only ever protected you and your shepherds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, and he says, which would have been needed yes. in those times. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of raiders. There's and stuff the Philistines around. around. Remember going nuts on the on yep. the region, and, and David's even, doing his bit. To and even even again, them. David David's got this reputation of the guy who king who, who killed Goliath. Still, yeah. So the Philistines are giving them a wide berth. Yeah, and going okay. And even Nabal's people are saying, no, no, these guys were great. Whenever they were here, we were totally safe. They never lifted a finger against us. They never took anything from us. But Nabal being an absolute fool, uh, (laughs) being being the goose that he is, gives gives David a whole mouthful, um, then goes back and throws a party for himself. uh, And we have this uh, incredibly wise, beautiful, amazing wife of of this loser, Abigail, coming out and making peace Mm. 
with David. Uh, because, of course, when, uh, you know, David sends his men to ask his question, and, and I mean, Nabal or Nabal, yeah. he just insults David. Oh. Te- ter- quite terribly and, yes. and you know this gets reported back to David and David's like right put on your swords yeah, put on your <laughs> you know? swords let's go <laughs> that's right we're, we're going in uh, but meanwhile of course uh, Abigail uh, you know um, hears what you know what the reply had been to, yeah. to David's men and rushes in uh, to make things right yes this is a so, so you know, so she does this, and she's this honourable woman, and and you know, and the idea, it, it's the idea here is, you know, those who curse you, I will. It's kind of that. It's it's around that theme, and uh, and Abigail is the one who blesses, you know, the one you know, blesses the Lord's anointed, and so yes. forth. So it's kind of that theme here, but really, this is an interesting story because, uh, you know, David's strapping on his sword and and going in, uh, and. And that would have been wrong to do that. And what we see in this story- He, he, he even swears an oath. He does like, yeah. like what Saul does. I swear an yeah. oath. May God, may God, you know, do something yeah, against me. Right. If I don't kill him today. Very similar. It's almost a bit of an echo of when Saul exactly. swears, swears an oath. Like we're going to, if anybody touches food, you know- Yeah, the, yeah you know, that's right. It's, yeah. It's, it's a type of thing it like really that. It really echoes that. So he's, you know, again, David's not the, you know, he's not the- uh, held up an ideal here because he's without sin. It's how he responds. Uh, but but also what we see in this is that it's actually God who delivers him from sinning in the first place. Yeah, it's like God, uh, you know, um, uh, providentially, you know, has uh, Abigail there at the right time to step in and appease David, yeah. and David realizes you've you've saved me. Yeah. Actually, from doing something terrible. Blessed is your discernment. Yeah. This is what David says to Abigail. Yeah. Blessed is your discernment and blessed are you today. Today you kept me from participating in bloodshed yeah. and avenging myself by my own hand. Yeah, that's right. That's, you know, and he-, he Because he, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You don't, do, you know, yeah. so- yeah, and, it's a, and it's a great lesson here because yeah. as, as the story goes on, Abigail goes home. Nabal or Nabal, however we're going to pronounce him there, is throwing this party. He's drunk and she's like, I just saved your life. And he's like, whatever, I don't care. The next morning he gets up, has a seizure, seizure, falls over dead. Yeah, that's right. And it's basically, it's basically, and David picks up on it straight away. God says, Lord, he basically says- I've learnt my lesson. I've learnt- You're the one that avenges, not me. He basically yeah. says that. He basically, yeah. David goes, it's like a light bulb moment for David. I don't have to avenge myself. God's going to do it for me. Yeah. I can really rest in him. And his next move is like, well, now that Abigail's- uh, Abigail. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that Abigail woman was beautiful <laughs> and smart. Uh, are you interested in getting married? And she's like, yeah, I'll definitely yeah. come and marry you. Yeah, really important lesson here for David. And this is going to be directly reflected in the next chapter. So, he's learnt, you know, and, and it's such a key- it's such a key thing in the Old Testament. You know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Now, Paul quotes from that in chapter 12, but that's from Deuteronomy. Um, you know, do not take vengeance. Uh, do not take personal vengeance. Yeah. Because that's God's job. And so, David is about to come in and take things into his own hands. And, you know, we see all of those Psalms where David's praying against his enemy. It's him giving that over to God. It's it's relinquishing uh, that position of judge. Yes. And giving that to God, yeah. and uh, and so 
that's going to be relevant to what well, happens in the next chapter, as I said. Well, just just before, as we finish off chapter 25, little quick note here about David and his wives. So, Saul had promised and, and given over, as we remember the story from last mm. time, um, Michael, do you pronounce it Michael or- Yeah, that'll Mich- do. M- Michelle, it's not Michelle, it's- You know, Mich- I thought I had all the names, yeah. right, all of my biblical names, right? No. And then when I went to Israel, yeah. the first time our Israeli guide- would say these names and I, who, sorry, who's that? I don't, I've never heard of that person. It's yeah. like, that's the guy Davoud, in the Bible. David, <laughs> and it's like, who's that? What are you doing? Yeah. So, so David's first wife, which is Saul's daughter, Michael. Yeah. We find out that Saul had had basically married her off to another yeah, person. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, David's also, David has married um, uh, uh, another woman. Uh, he's, you know, so he's now his second wife, Ahinoam. Uh, of Jezreel, and then he adds Abigail to his to mm-hmm. his thing. So he's he's got his first wife has been taken off him. Yeah. Then he's got these two wives in the wilderness period with him yeah. as a young as a young yeah. man. Now, you just said that David's not presented as perfect. David having these uh, multiple wives. Yeah. Throughout the throughout the Old Testament, um, I mean, that appears to be the normal. It's it. We know it's interesting. Because we know all along that it's not the ideal. Yes, uh, from Gen- from Genesis, very clear yeah. that it's not the ideal, and yet it's an allowance. And this this very important kind of ethical principle is that when the situation already is kind of messy, and because you know this is a warring society, yeah. men went off and and uh, and and w- were often killed in battle, and. Uh, and and the real the only security for the women in in those times was was to be married, and so polygamy was like this uh, compromise. You know, it wasn't wasn't ideally what God God wanted, but it was this uh, it was this compromise, and so we see that now it can go too far. Once we get to Solomon, we're going to see yeah. that this is, this it, goes a little bit too far in that in that case. It definitely goes too uh, far but, there. And Matthew, now we get to chapter 26, chapter 26 of 1 Samuel, and we get a repetition of this, you know, the story of David having an opportunity to kill Saul Mm. and sparing him. That's right. Different to the first time. This is a, yeah. you know, this is a bit of a night moves. Yeah. You know, a bit of an operation here, a bit of a yeah. stealth operation. So he does a operation. bit of a scout with, his, with some of his men uh, uh, to check out where Saul is camped. They're at night. Yeah. For some reason, David decides to go down into the camp at night. We, 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 we're not told why. And he's taken Abishai. Yeah. With that's, this is, the, okay, so we we now get- Yeah, we now get these, we're starting to get- um, what can you say? Families and men and their descendants who are who are going to be important players in the life yeah, of David. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Joab, yeah, which is one of David's yeah. right hand men yeah, and right. his yeah. and his family. Yeah. And on the other side, we have Saul's cousin Abner. Yeah. Who is you know yeah. who is the leader of his yeah. army? And we've seen him before. Yeah. He was there with David and Goliath all the way through. Yeah. And Abner will will. Become an important player as the story yeah, of David right. goes on, but he's there. He is Saul's right hand man. Yeah. when it comes to all things military, that's right. And they're all asleep. In fact, we're told later that the, the Lord puts them into a deep sleep. Yes. So David goes right down into the camp, and there they are sleeping. And his spear and Saul's there on the ground. His spear and his water bottle uh, are there. And Abishai says, "This is it. <laughs> this is this is the moment." Uh, in verse eight of chapter twenty-six, Abishai said to David, "Today, God has delivered your enemy." into your hands. Now, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. Now, what da- David's reply is important in the light of what he had learnt yes. in the case of uh, Nabal, yeah. 
okay? And in the previous incident when he cut the robe, okay? So, he's learned a couple of really uh, important lessons. Uh, He says, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. So, you know, that that had just happened to Nabal. The the Lord sorted that out. Uh, But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now, get the spear in the water jug and let's go. So, he's going to... He's, he's going to take them so that he can prove again to Saul. I mean, Saul had already yeah. said, I'm sorry, you know, and yet now, you know, he's still out pursuing David. So, yet again, David's going to say, hey, listen, I had yet another chance to kill you and I didn't. That's why he takes the water jug. But, you know, this is, a, this is what we see here is that David isn't willing to take something that's not being given to him. Yeah. At that time, even though he's been anointed as king, you, you feel like, man, surely, and even his, even even Abishai thinks, surely it's justified to kill Saul. He's come out against yeah. you again. Yeah. And David's saying, no, I'm not going to take it unless the Lord gives it. Yeah. And we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do the right God. way. Yeah. And I love, I love the, this time. It even goes as far as this time when David has the opportunity to shout down and the yeah. men, are, men are woken up. Yeah. He doesn't go after Saul. He goes after Abner. Yeah, that's David right. goes after Abner. Now, Jewish tradition says that Abner was the best of the best, like a mighty man who could not be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, brought down by other men. Like he was like this yep. huge behemoth of a guy, an amazing military leader. Like that's the background yep. there. And so you get this David shaming Abner, saying, yep. look what happened. We were able to get in there yep. and get that close. Yep. You didn't protect, you know, yeah, the Lord's anointed. Right. And Saul, again, at the end of this chapter, saying, I've sinned. I, I am sorry. Yeah, that's right. Surely God's going to le- yeah. raise you up. Please don't forget me, you know, that type of thing. And he goes back home again. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And then, you know, David goes out and, and actually David lives among the Philistines. This is like an exile yeah. for David now. Yeah. Uh, he's living amongst the Philistines. Again, this story would have been significant. Again, These this story comes together in its final form during the Babylonian exile. And so, just as David lived among the Philistines, um, you know, the, the, the Israelites uh, after 600 BC were living in Babylon. And so, uh, you know, so David is um, living amongst the Philistines, but he's, he's always doing the right thing, isn't he, throughout this, uh, throughout this period? Let's take a quick break and we'll get, we'll get David in exile next here on Thrive Deeper. Thrive family, it's your old mate DJ Payne here, and I am so excited to be letting you know about our current listeners' special offer. I think this might be uh, might be close to uh, the, the final moments that you can get it. The listeners' special offer, and I'm saying that this is the best one that we have ever ever offered to you. It is the Signature Classics, a seven-volume set of C.S. Lewis. That's right. We've got in the box, in this beautiful slipcase, Me Christianity, The Screwtape Letters, Surprised by Joy, The Four Loves, The Problem of Pain, The Great Divorce, and Miracles. 
Each one of these books are absolutely phenomenal by a person that I think is one of the most influential Christians ever in the last 100 years. So in between recording episodes of Thrive, I sat down with our very own Matt Jacoby. I handed him one of C.S. Lewis's books, and this is the conversation that took place. One of my favourites has got to be, in one of his most famous books, it's been turned into uh, theatrical plays, it's been turned into a comic mm. book, it's been turned into all these it's different- It's been turned into a comic book. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, right. there's all these different yeah, spin-off you things. You would know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I would. Maybe that's the next thing we have on offer, the, 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 book, the yeah. comic book of- the screw tape letters. Yeah, it's it's essentially a working out. You know, I think it's uh, you know in the New Testament it says we're not unaware of the devil's schemes, and and it's the outworking of that. Yeah. It's it's like here's a, you know, I think what C.S. Lewis is is doing. It's it's a it's a very creative uh, attempt to give us an insight into the wiliness and the the, the schemes of, of of the devil against us, so that we can be wiser for it. So it's a really it's a wonderful example of of how. Uh, a piece of creative writing and and you know C.S. Lewis is such a, a creative writer uh, how you know he creates something that actually is very enriching so uh, yeah, I highly recommend it it's a good read the complete C.S. Lewis signature classics a seven volume set this is your special Thrive Today offer for Christmas uh, usually I've seen these uh, this beautiful set advertised for $100 $90 even more online we are offering it to you for $72 that's right $72 and this complete set can be all yours it is for Australia only so uh, I'm sorry international listeners maybe next time if you're looking at a stocking stuffer if you're looking for that special present for that person at work trust me this is an amazing amazing offer you're not going to get again so head over to thrivetoday.tv click on listeners special offer and that will take you over to the complete c.s lewis signature classics seven books 72 dollars you couldn't go wrong with that now let's get back into thrive deeper On Thrive Deeper. We're in the end of the book of First Samuel. We're up to First Samuel chapter 27. It's DJ and Matthew here. David, the young David, he's in his mid to late 20s at this stage. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple of wives and 600 men with him, a growing family, and he's learning these incredibly practical lessons that mm. God is going to fight for him. Yeah, that's right. God is going to take vengeance for him, and he just has to trust. He's now in uh, Ziklag, yeah. which is uh, with the Philistines. Yeah, that's right. So, they've get, he's been given this town, and he says to the Philistine king, you know, the king asks him, you know, have you been out raiding and and actually, he's been raiding Philistine. So again, the point is, is that he has been—he's still fighting for Israel, mm. even though he 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 lies to the uh, the Philistine king and says, "I've been raiding uh, the towns of Judah." Yeah. The point is, is that David 
while Saul is, again, uh, not doing his job, David is the one doing the work here, yeah. behind the scenes. But he's also made peace with uh, these Philistine guys in Ziklag, and he lives there with his crew for a year and four months. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. this is, again, we sort of skip over this. There's a lot of time passing here, and, uh, you know, there's some, you know, peaceful peace there with David and, and yeah. this. But this this gets to a sticky moment, because it gets to the point where uh, the, the Philistines decide, right, we're going to wipe Israel out, okay? Yeah. Now, David is... For all in, in their eyes, David has become a Philistine. Yeah. So, and, and you know, he's quite the man of war as well. He's got the reputation, right? So, uh, Achish says to David, uh, "You must understand. This is verse. This is chapter twenty-eight. You and your men will accompany me in the army." Now, you know, this is a sticky situation for David because you jumped over to chapter twenty-nine. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 twenty-eight. In those days, uh, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Oh, yeah, sorry, at the beginning, Achish said to David, "You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army." So this is a, um, and David says nervously, not you know, realizing he's in a really sticky situation now. Yeah. He says, "Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do." It's very, very ambiguous yeah. reply, right? Um, uh, so. The question is, okay, how is he going to get out of this one? Yeah, and he, and and the king and the king, the, you know, the king here in Ziklag trusts him so much that he appoints David as his personal bodyguard. Yeah, that's right. And says, right, you and your crew, you're so good at what you do. You're now my bodyguard yeah. here. We're going to go out yeah. and, and do this. And, stuff. and the thing is, we get this break. This is interesting. The sequence because y- you're left hanging. Right, this is a cliffhanger right here because you're thinking, what? How is how is this going <laughs> to? You know. Uh, David's going to go out. We know that he doesn't want to fight against yeah. Israel, right? That The last section has just proved that, yeah. okay? That's the last thing he wants to do. But now he's in he's in the Philistine army at, and we get a stop, right? Yeah. We get a meanwhile, meanwhile. Yeah, what's meanwhile going, over in, you know, so yeah. what is Saul doing, right? Yeah. Because the thing is, uh, how is David going to get out of his problem? Well, before that's answered, we go to Saul. Well, Saul is in another problem. He's, he's, you know, in the same situation. The Philistines are drawn up. Well, how is Saul going to deal with his problem? And and we get a reminder here that a couple of chapters ago, we we, we didn't even mention it. Samuel has passed away, and it's sort of just mentioned yeah. in passing. Yeah. By the way, Samuel's yeah, dead. That's right. He's you know um, taken up to his you know hometown and. Yeah, Israel mourns for him and everything like that. Now we're reminded of that because Saul can't reach out to Samuel. Yeah. You know, he has no Samuel there. He doesn't have a priest with him anymore, doesn't yeah. have the ephod, doesn't have anything there. So Samuel uh, d- does goes against the very thing. Saul. Sorry, so Samuel so so Saul goes against the very thing that he was successful at the beginning of his reign. Yeah. Getting rid of the the spiritualists, the yeah, witches, yeah. the mediums out of Israel. Saul was Saul was responsible for helping make that happen at the beginning of the kingdom. Now, towards the end of his reign, he's like, "Let's see if we can find one of those witches to come and help us." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is got, well, well, he he wants to. Yeah, that's. I mean, he, he wants uh, he wants to talk to Samuel. Yeah, uh, and but he's he's willing to. Do this terrible thing. I mean, this was this was really the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Uh, if you know, in Deuteronomy, uh, it, it's just again and again. You never ever do this, mediums and spiritists, and uh, you're not even allowed to allow them to live in your land. If you yeah, find one, yeah, they'd yeah, be yeah, disowned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's pretty heavy consequences for anybody doing this. And it's important to point out because it's mentioned a couple of times. 
the way that God communicated with 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 Saul and you know and, and presumably with David as well was either through dr- dreams and visions, yeah, you know, directly to them yeah. in dreams and visions, through the priest and the ephod and the you know, yeah, yeah. we don't really understand exactly what yeah. ha- what happened there. That's a mystery to us, you know, or direct you know, or prophets coming in and directly doing you know yeah. doing that. Yeah, Saul has got none. No, he's got none. He's got none yeah. in his camp, which says yeah. so much. Yeah, that's right. About how God is totally yeah, left. That's him. right. Yeah. So he goes and visits this witch, the witch of Endor. Yeah, you know the witch. You know, which is this crazy story. Basically, he disguises Saul, disguises himself. Some of his men, men have said, "Look, we found this witch in Endor, this medium." Uh, he goes right. He disguises himself, goes in there, and says, "Listen, I, I, I need to, you know, find this person." And before anything goes on, before she is and have time to c- cast a spell, yeah. out of the ground comes the spirit yeah. of Samuel, and yeah, she right. freaks out. It's it, she can see him. Saul doesn't really see him. Yeah, we're not told what she does. Presumably, she there's pre- pre- presumably something happens. Yeah. Uh, and and actually, you know. Um, she sees a ghostly figure coming up from the earth, yeah. uh, which she describes as an old man wearing a robe. But immediately, as soon as that happens, like as soon as he says, I want to meet Samuel, Samuel appears and straight away she knows that this is Saul. Yeah. You know, so there's something- Yeah, spi- yeah there's something going on there's there. There's something spiritual going on here. So, you know, the big question that people ask is, is this- is this Samuel? Is is this a ghost? Are we? Is this a ghost story? Or what, I, what, do, you, what okay, do you think? I think from the text, I think this is a this is a miracle. Yeah, God performs a miracle. That I, I believe. I believe in again. People, you know, we're not we're not told clearly exactly what happens with Old Testament saints, as we call them, yeah, or those yeah. who were saved or godly in the Old Testament period. But we know we know they go to the place of the dead. Yeah. And they're at peace in some yeah. sort of peaceful way, uh, waiting for the time that they will be taken, you know, by Jesus, you know, yeah. into the into the next into the next dimension or reality, whatever you want to call it. There, uh, and we know that in according to Scripture, what God has laid out, uh, no one comes back and says anything yeah. to anybody. And this, I believe, this, this is a miracle. I believe that God wait, you know, brings yeah. Samuel back up, and this is. Literally, Samuel talking to Saul and judging the living daylights out of out of him, and like really, yeah, yeah. really telling him what's what, and um, and this it's a miracle by God. Yeah, yeah. So Samuel, uh, I mean, you, you you're right in that we don't get a lot of explanation about what you know where do the dead go. It's just the word Sheol yeah. is used throughout the Old Testament. Um, but th- that that sits. Fi- I mean, that's just the realm of the dead generally. But you know, they they. What we find out in the New Testament is like you get more details. Uh, and what we find out is the New Testament is that there is this spiritual intermediate state yeah. that believers, Old and New Testament, go to to await the resurrection. Of course, yeah. and so what's interesting about this? Not only this, but you know, think for example of the Transfiguration, where. Jesus is speaking to Moses and Elijah. So this isn't the only time yeah. where an Old Testament saint True. appears True. to you know to yeah. earthly characters. We have that in the Transfiguration as well. So yeah, so I think uh, I, I don't think we need to doubt that this is really Samuel. Uh, you know, some you know the ghost of Samuel, the spirit yeah. of Samuel. I, it's, you it's know, Samuel. Yeah, it's it's Samuel, it's Samuel. In, in, some, in, some in, sense. A, in a in a non physical form. 
if yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. That's right. Yeah. In, in, a, in a whatever you want to call it, in a ghostly form, he's able to he's able to rise here. And and uh, you know, and it's bad news, isn't it? Oh. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what Saul was expecting, but you know, basically Samuel says tomorrow you you and your sons are going to die. And it, it, it's it's it's, it's the, the conversation between the two is absolutely terrifying but also there's a, I find it very humorous yeah. because you know of Samuel's opening line why have you disturbed me by bringing me up here yeah. <laughs> like that opening line and Saul totally honestly saying I and it's serious trouble I'm at the end of my tether like everything God is not speaking <laughs> yeah. to me you're not here nothing's going on and Samuel yeah. basically says uh dum dum I told you exactly yeah, what that's was going right. to happen it's like it's almost like you know Samuel's in heaven and, you know, Jesus says, I, yeah. look, you got to go back for a little while. <laughs> yeah. you, you got to go back. Yeah. I just, you know, just, just for, just for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but whatever, whatever happens there. Yeah, but but we, it's important. Gets this is an important point. Message. The last message from Samuel to him is basically David is going to be the king. You, you, you're going to be handed over to yeah. the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Yeah. As in in the land of the yeah. place of the dead, and the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. At that, Saul's, Samuel's gone. Yeah, Saul lies down as if he's dead. Yeah. He's like comatose, like terrified. Yeah, yeah. And we have another picture of the one who does good in all of this. Yeah, is the witch of Endor, yeah. who then is like, he's got to eat. Like, let's feed. Him. That's <laughs> like, right. She like, looks try, after him. She looks after him. There, it's an amazing That's story. Right. And then we flick back to the scene yes. that we were left with the cliffhanger. <laughs> Uh, how is, you know, what's going to happen? Um, well, uh, you know, the the, uh, the, other, Achish, the the bigger Philistine commanders from yeah, all yeah, around right. come yeah. to him. They come to the king, Akish, and they say, listen, uh, <laughs> we, we just can't trust this David it's, guy. We like, are, we're we're not willing to go into battle with him. They basically go, uh, you know, Akish, king of Ziklag, have you not heard the number one hit? Saul has killed his thousands, but David, he says, of yeah, thousands. And that'd all, be Philistines as well. We all know that song. What the heck are you doing with David? And so- And they, they may, because remember, David has been raiding Philistine towns. Yeah. So some of these guys may be aware at least of rumours- that have gone around, you know, about David doing this. So they're thinking, nah, nah, this guy, uh, he, yeah, yeah he, they're not trusting. He's him. not for us. He's Look, for Israel. But but again, and we know that David is for Israel, and I don't know the relationship he had with Achish there. But Achish says, listen, I've got to let you go. Yeah. You know, David's like, you know, what have I done? I've, I, I yeah. you know, he's he actually protests, and yeah. he has a beautiful line here: the king, the, one of the Philistine kings here says, I'm convinced that you've been as good to me as an angel of God. Yeah. You know, you've been my yeah. own personal angel of God here. Yeah. So, David is totally, without even raising a sword, yeah. let go. Yeah, that's and right. And free to go, free to, yeah. free to move away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's amazing. So, we go into uh, into a quick story here, uh, you know. In yeah, well, chapter- he goes back. I mean, he heads back then. He's like, okay, we're sending you home. Heads back to Ziklag only to find that the town has been raided by the- Amalekites. Al- Amalekites, right? Now, yeah. th- remember, these, these are the guys that Saul should have, uh, you know, yeah. got rid of completely but didn't. Uh, and now David is having his Amalekite confrontation. They have raided the town, plundered the town, and taken their wives and children of David and his men. Yeah. Uh, and so they get back and they're crying and, and they go in pursuit. They well, come- well it, it, it looks sketchy here for David for a second because yeah. when they get back, 
husband, wives, children, everything is gone, and David's men- I mean, you've got to think. I mean, these guys have been loyal. They've been living in the Philistine yeah. army. And so, this gives us the picture of going, okay, David's in hiding, you know, running around with these people, you know, doing all these different stuff. He's, you know, they've based themselves in Ziklag yeah. there. The family there, while they've been, go- while they've gone, they've gone for days or weeks or whatever dealing with this thing. Yeah. While that's happened, the Amal- you know, the Amalekites have come, yeah. taken everyone away. He's, he's basically, his men are like- yeah, this is dude, close, close dude, to mutiny. Yeah, yeah like you, we've been running around with you for years now. And I think I think they would have had a, you know, they would have been questioning because da- David, of course, went with the the Philistines. Yeah, you know, to go into battle, you know, not and you're not quite, you don't quite know what how he's going to get out of. That's the cliffhanger. But can you imagine what David's men were thinking about yeah. this? I'm, we're not going to go and fight against Israel. Yeah. It's like pack your bags. Where you know, it's right up to that last minute moment yeah. where. Basically, and I think this is the point of the text, God does something, yes. again, to prevent David from wrongdoing. Yep. But his men don't know, you know, I mean, he's really been pushing it with them. Yep. So, so finally, they, they get to come back. There's relief there. But when they come back, well, the town's been raided. And and these guys aren't happy. Yeah, and they're, and they're, they're they're saying, hey, maybe maybe it's time for David to go. Maybe you know this is it. David finds strength in the Lord. They bring back. Uh, he's got he's got his priests with him there, Abitha, and they bring the ephod. They start questioning what should what should they do, and he basically rallies the troops. Yeah, and says, look, God is with us. We're going to pursue them, and we're going to get everything back. And at the right moment, just at the right moment, they see this Egyptian kid wandering around. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Half dead, and they're like, "Hang on, he, you know, this kid was with yeah. the Philistines. Here, this Egyptian yeah. guy. They grab him. He spills the beans. Let's know yeah. everything what they want to want to do. They swear safety to him, yeah. and uh, off they go. And they have an amazing victory yeah. over the um, uh, um, uh, Amalekites. Yeah. Uh, you know, totally plundering yeah. everything, and more importantly, bringing back their wives, their children, their possessions, everything back to themselves. Yeah. And he makes he makes a really important ruling here, yeah. Um, because because some of the men are that not all of the men go out to to retrieve the plunder. Yeah, uh, some of them stay back. Yeah, some of them Be- stay because back. I mean the the town has been ransacked. Yeah, let's and, unless these Amalekites come back again, we got to leave yeah. some guys here. Yeah. And maybe some of them were just so depressed and downtrodden yeah. that they weren't going to go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, uh, they. Uh, when they come back, the ones that did go out and you know recapture all this plunder, they say, "Well, we're not going to share that. We're not going to share with those guys that stayed back home." Well, two, yeah. So he takes four. So I'm just reading it again. Takes four hundred, leaves two hundred, and basically says the two hundred who were left were exhausted. Yeah, that's right. Miserable. Yeah, yeah. We're not going. We're going to stay here and look yeah. after the camp. And that's and so the, so the four hundred guys that do go out, so we're not going to share with those guys. <laughs> And David makes this ruling, and, and I think it's a ruling that's so, and this is the point, it's so much in the spirit of the Torah, this solidarity. Uh, you know, yes, they do the fighting, but when, when we come back, no, no, we're going to share the plunder uh, because it's the Lord who gave them into our hands. It's God who fought for us. Uh, at, you know, this is, this is a gift of God and we're going to therefore share it. And that's you know, such an important principle in the Torah, this idea that God has given you the land, that God has enabled you to have this wealth. Yeah. And so, God expected them to share, share and equally. distribute that uh, evenly. Yeah. So, you know, what we see here is David, the law-abiding king. Yes. Here, we see David's character. And even establishing 
you know, the law in a better way, like yeah, that's clarifying, right. yeah. clarifying it here. Yeah, so he, it's like the wise ruling of David here. And he also does one last thing. Out of all the spoils that they, they, they bring back, he then sends out a share to every town – Every yeah. king, every ruler, every tribe that he was able to take solace in him and his men yeah. over these years of wild- yeah, of right. wandering, yeah. he's been a- he sends them back and says, "Listen, this is what the Lord has given us. Yeah. Thank you. You yeah. looked after me. This you deserve part of this as well." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's a yeah. great it's a great here. Yeah. Um, so they get you know back their their stuff and more. Yeah. And way more, and that is important because equips you know this is the providence in this. Like you know they get raided. That seems like a disaster, and yet they come back through this richer than they were before and they have these gifts to give uh, which I think is at an important important moment because what we're going to see in the next chapter of course yeah. is that the opposite the, the Saul's uh, dynasty in effect is cut well, off well again as, as you love to point out Matthew this this book is a book of contrasts so we yeah. leave the final thing we read in 1 Samuel about David is David is establishing himself yeah great reputation yeah. honourable fair uh, the the people are loving what David is doing. David is giving glory yeah. to God. Now, let's go over to, again. Yeah. Let's go to Saul and the Philistines are fighting against Israel. Yeah. Um, David and uh, sorry, David's nowhere to be seen. David's yeah. doing his thing over there. Yeah. This is meanwhile back with the, you know, back with Saul and his and his army. They are fighting against the Philistines. Saul, Jonathan, the bro- his uh, Jonathan's other brothers, Saul's other yeah. sons, all fighting against. And it's not going well at all. Finally, no, finally, it's no. exactly as Samuel Samuel prophesied. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they're losing in battle. Um, looks like Saul's realised that in in any moment he's going to be killed. He says to his armor bearer, "Listen, run me through. Yeah. We're done." I mean, he's probably he's, wounded. He's already know. he's already yeah. wounded by the arrows. He's yeah, got you know right. a few yeah. arrows through. Run him. me through. But the, you know, I mean, of course, the armor bearer refused to do this, and Saul takes his own life. And I think, I think there's something about the way that this happens. You know, this is. Because Saul, Saul killed Saul. That's the I think. It's great. This point. is what happens. It was Saul that killed Saul's chances at kingship. It was Saul that sabotaged Saul's uh, monarchy. It was Saul that that constantly um, uh, worked is working against himself. And we see that the end is indicative of the life, uh, at least to his kingship. And so the towns around there, all the Israelites flee. Yeah. You know, they see what's happened. Saul and his yeah. men and his sons are dead. Yeah. Uh, his own armor bearer falls on the sword yeah. alongside with Saul. Um, and so the next day, the Philistines come up and they find Saul and his three sons dead at, at Mount Gilboa. They cut yeah. off Saul's head, stripped off his armor, and sent messages throughout the land of the Philistines to spread the good news in the temples of their idols and among the people. Yeah. And they put his armor in the temple of the Asterisk and hung his body on the wall of Bethshan. And uh, the the residents of everybody uh, journeyed all night. They were, you know, the, basically, you know, uh, the, the Philistines are partying mm. and the, um, you know, the, the Jabesh Gilead, Israelites yeah. are distraught yeah. and do the right thing yeah. and travel to get to bring back. Yeah, the, that's the right. Remains. They do the honourable thing, yeah. uh, and David does too. And I mean, we'll talk about this more next week. But yeah. uh, and this this is important. You know, David when he you know when he hears about this because uh, of course um, 
the uh, you know a man from Saul's camp, you know, thinks, "Oh, I'll be the one to tell David this is great," yeah. uh, and he you know he runs out and 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 the the upshot of this, he thinks that David's going to be stoked yeah. and gloat, you know, but no, actually, we see David. Uh, goes through a mourning process. Yeah. David's he refuses to gloat over this. Yeah, uh, you know David's not the one grasping for the kingdom here. No, it's been given to him as a gift. But it's also it's also important to remember that Saul and Samuel, sorry, Saul and Samuel. It's also important to remember that Saul and David were father-in-law, son-in-law. You know, Jonathan was his best friend. D- David lived in the house with Saul. Lived in yeah. the king, you know, in the mansion, yeah. you know, in in the in the royal palace with with Saul. There there was a tight relationship. They called each other father and son. You know, they yeah. they they there was a love and affection for one another there. As in, bad in the as early it got, days, yeah, in the early days. But yeah. uh, but David seems to be. This is why. This is again. I've yeah, now yeah, that Saul's yeah. dead. <laughs> Right now that Saul said, I can I can put my defendant hat aside and say, listen, you know, I leave leave Saul over there, Um, and that, and you know, we we know what what came of him, but I the reason why I'm sticking up for Saul, the reason why I defend Saul is because I believe that David would, yeah, because David does, and and David continually all the way through. Speaks of the good things of Saul yeah. and and praises up Saul, even yeah. though Saul is, yeah. is is cut off. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's a beautiful relationship mm. there where where David is almost like choosing to remember the good things. Yeah, if you know what I That's mean. That's right. Yeah, and again, the text here is you know it's emphasizing, you know what what it's emphasizing the right response to this. You know, David isn't. Uh, isn't bent on vengeance and revenge and, no. and you know gloating and grasping for power. He's a humble. Remember, in, at the beginning, he wasn't even didn't feel even worthy to marry Saul's daughter. Yeah, you know, uh, and uh, and so you know throughout this, David shows his character, and um, and that I think is what what we're meant to be seeing here. This is this is what faith looks like, and it's so countercultural with you know uh, with the normal state of things when people are you know. Climbing ladders and grasping for power, and yeah. but David is—he's not playing that game. Uh, David has learnt to trust in God, and mm. and we see that, uh, you know, we see that here. Yeah. So as we go through, as we go through, and we're wrapping up. Okay, so we've done well. Nine chapters, Matt. We've covered yeah. nine chapters. Yeah. We've got to the end of First Samuel here, yeah. and we've got the death of Saul. You know, mm. so this leaves the, the the field wide open for David to take on, yeah. and that's where the the next part of the story will go. Mm. Um, what? You know, applying these lessons to our life today. Mm. You know, um, you know, we're not kings. We're not. We're not. You know, running around. We're not. You know, being persecuted by other other people. You know, there's not all these crazy battles and wars and everything Mm. that we're fighting. How do we apply these lessons that David is learning to our own life? Yeah, the way the way I've I've often phrased this is, you know, by saying, "Don't play God. Don't play God." You know. there's, there's a, it's such a different way of living. The, the, the life of faith is, is f- so fundamentally different. Yeah. And what David exemplifies is the life of faith. As imperfect as he is, he does exemplify a, a, a growing faith. And as I said, we have the privilege of having the Psalms where we see on the inside what that process of faith and trusting in God and the struggle for that. You know, it's not like David's not saying, oh, no, everything's, 
you know, everything's just going to be okay. He's not just saying positive things and, you know, yeah. <laughs> what, he's are not, they, he's not what do they call that? Manifesting yeah. positivity. He's not exercising the secret. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's because what we see in his prayers is that he's lamenting and crying out oh, to God. and appe- full you know, on. But, but faith is doing something and faith is appealing to the promise. But God, you said that you would deliver me and, and I'm still in this situation. So, there's lots of struggles. Yeah. Uh, but his faith is growing and learning to trust God in those struggles. And he does. He's a, he's a man of faith. And, and as a result, uh, he becomes king and he wins the kingdom and he completes the conquest, not because he's the man of war like Saul, but because he's the man of faith. Yeah. And, and I think, I think this, is, this is where the text is holding up David as this ideal because the righteous will live by faith. And, and David, you know, was reckoned as righteous, not because he was perfect, but because he lived by faith, mm. because he had faith in God. And so God delivered him and established him. And for generations, you know, the promise that God makes to David is, gen- you know, is going to last for generations. Mm. Why? Because David has faith. All right, all right, enough of the funny messages. I've had a few funny texts and messages from people making fun of me because of my love of King Saul. All of a sudden, I've become a Saul defender. I don't know, it's just because I see something of myself in him. And the journey that I'm on, I'm wanting to become more like King David than I am like King Saul. Hopefully you've enjoyed 1 Samuel as much as I have. And God has spoken to your heart as well. But you can stop those King Saul messages now. He's gone. He's gone. All right. Don't forget the special offer that we've got with C.S. Lewis Books. You do not want to miss out. Get in touch with us now. Stocks are limited. In fact, we you might be too late. So message us now and find out if it is still available. Okay. Until next fortnight, it's been DJ Payne. On behalf of the gang, we say thank you for downloading and supporting Thrive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.